Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I am G.B. Lynch, author of We Are Still Supposed to Be Slaves, The Chronicles of Being Black in America, Book One. On this platform, we'll discuss some important pieces of our history. It's important that we discover what we don't know. It's important that we discover what's not true. It's important that our children and our grandchildren are aware of our ancestors' truth. We are responsible for their knowledge, and if we don't educate them, who will? Please check here for updates on the release of Book 2, in addition to other upcoming new books, speaking engagements, and more. So let's get into it. What I'd like to discuss for this episode is I want to talk about what I like to call freedom's devastation. Meaning, we often hear about Lincoln freed the slaves. We often hear about, oh, the 13th Amendment set the slaves free in 1865. Um, what we don't really hear discussed is, well, what did that actually mean? What did freeing the enslaved actually mean to the people that were actually enslaved? Um, so before the 13th Amendment in 1865, Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, there was the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. Now this document proclaimed after roughly three years of the Civil War going on, that all persons held as slaves were and henceforward free within the rebellious states. So I want you to think about that within the rebellious states piece of that. Sounds great, but there's always a catch. It did not apply to all states. That's what within the rebellious states refers to. When dealing with slithery people, you really got to be on top of your game because they'll slide things in on you and it'll get by you if you're really not paying attention. So the Emancipation Proclamation had limits to its power. It only applied to states that had seceded from the United States. The states that were left were still able to continue enslaving people. So basically, you come up with this document, the Emancipation Proclamation document, and you basically tell part of the country, okay, you guys, you can't have slaves anymore. It's abolished for you, uh, somewhat. But you guys down there in the South, y'all good. Just go ahead and, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Thumbs up. No problem. Keep up the good work. So the states that were left were still able to continue enslaving people. Um, it also left out areas of the Confederate states that were controlled by the Union at that point. The main thing that most people aren't aware of is that its promise of freedom for the enslaved really was only enforceable if the Union actually won the Civil War. So again, you got another little hiccup here that 
you tell us this Emancipation Proclamation has been signed um, to free the slaves. So the part we aren't told is that it really was only supposed to free some of the slaves. Then the other part you didn't tell us where those slaves wouldn't get free either unless the Union actually won the war. So we got a lot going on here that never gets discussed. But then again, there's always a catch somewhere. So at this point, the proclamation did make the Civil War more focused on freedom of those enslaved. More freed black men joined the Union Army and Navy, enabling them to be part of the fight to liberate all that were in bondage. So by the end, nearly 200,000 black men that were soldiers and sailors actually fought for the Union's victory and for freedom of everyone that was in bondage. So question, I mean, just, just a question. Have you ever actually heard them mention about these 200,000 black Union soldiers? I mean, of course, you see a little bit here and there without um, saying that I never knew that there were um, black men that actually fought in the Civil War. But 200,000 is a pretty significant number, wouldn't you say? I mean, I was thinking maybe a couple of hundred, probably. But we're talking 200,000 black men that were actually part of the Civil War. So with all of these Civil War reenactments that take place around the country every year, are y'all including these black men? Are you including them in your reenactments? I mean, I'm just asking because if you're trying to preserve your history, then it seems to me like you would definitely want to include them because Apparently, they're part of that history. Maybe not the side that you would have liked them to be on, but hey, if you're going to reenact, reenact with truth and accuracy. That, that's all I'm saying. So exactly what do you think happened when slavery ended, so to speak, in 1865? You know, were the slaves happy, partying? Were they all packed, ready to go? Um, because I'm sure, you know, this had been something that they had been dreaming of, um, praying about, talking about forever. So exactly what happened? How did they feel? What did they think? Were they ready to go? But then you got to think, let's, let's be reasonable about this. Go where? With what? They didn't have any money. This meant no means to get food, no means to get a place to stay. Most had no basic education. Remember, they weren't allowed, for the most part, to be educated. No reading, no writing. There were some that were allowed, like if you were what they called a slave preacher, you were allowed to be taught to read. Um, there were some other significant 
um, positions that were taught as far as, you know, maybe you were taught to be a blacksmith or, you know, maybe you were taught to handle the horses within the stables or, you know, certain positions um, within the house where you were like, you know, the head person, um, you know, as far as the enslaved that were, you know, in inside master's house or what have you. Um, but for the most part, it was illegal, you know, for someone that was enslaved to be educated. So by this time, most of the people enslaved had been born into slavery. We have to remember that as well. So we're not, for the most part, in 1865, we're not talking about the original Africans that were sold and kidnapped and had to travel here in slave ships and bondage. We're talking about people that were actually born and raised on these plantations. Technically, I'm sure many of them considered it their home. I mean, that's the only place they ever knew. So the idea of, of people always asking the question, you know, why don't you go back to Africa? Well, by that time, with our history being stripped the way that it has been, um, many of them had very little ideas about their parents and grandparents' homeland, which was Africa, the continent of Africa, more than likely West Africa. The problem with having been born here, again, at that point, you're an American. So the only thing they knew, unfortunately, was the life of being enslaved. So the idea of going back to Africa basically died with their passed on family members that had come from Africa so many years ago by force um, and brutality. Generally, the slave owners just set them free to figure out how to survive as a people. So being that enslaved people were considered property no differently than you own horses, cattle, or any other animal, or even your truck, being that they were considered property, but especially animals, not, not human, they were not considered humans, they were set free like you would let out a herd of animals, just set free. Okay, you're free now, you can go. So the official emancipation included all black enslaved people in America. So Southern black people were now free as well, but lived in distressed, very rural areas. And the areas were very poverty stricken. As slaves, everything had been provided for them. Now that everything doesn't mean, you know, five-star accommodations by no means, but, you know, if you're thinking about the basic needs of a person, 
you may not have the best shelter, but you had some shelter. You may not have had, you know, lobster and caviar, but you did have something to eat. May not have even been enough, but you had something to eat. Um, when you're looking at not having anything, you know, when you've been accustomed to those things being provided for you, um, the denial of, of formal education and wages for the hard labor and brutality that they endured while being enslaved just, just left them in, in dire straits, just a situation of where you don't know exactly what you're going to do because this thing that you have wanted for so long, meaning freedom, now seems to be the worst thing that ever happened to you because you're free, but free to do what? To go where? How are you going to survive now? The picture that we've been painted is that the enslaved people were freed and then everything was great. All was right with the world again. Well, no, in most cases, that's just not what happened. Sadly, hundreds of thousands of free blacks died from illnesses, but mostly they died from starvation. The heroic picture of the Union Army that has been painted throughout history really has a slant to it. I mean, sure, they won the Civil War, which ultimately ended slavery. But most of the Union soldiers didn't even want to help free the slaves. That's not why they got into this. They wanted the country to be united. That's why they got into this. Therefore, many of them were not so helpful following the end of the Civil War, not to Black people anyway. Being that the Civil War from 1861 to 1865 had the Union North and the Confederate South killing each other, the tragic situation happening to the freed slaves wasn't a priority for either side. Many people in the North are always painted as such champions of the slaves. In actuality, many of them weren't as sympathetic to the cause as one might think. Similarly to most Southerners, they couldn't have cared less about the health, welfare, safety of enslaved blacks and even less about them once they were free. Where were the abolitionists in all of this? Because they have a big piece of this situation when it comes to our history. They're given quite a bit of credit for their fight to end slavery as well as, you know, their belief that it was wrong. So where were they during this time? The anti-slavery abolitionists steered as clear as they could of this human atrocity that was going on after the end of slavery because they didn't want to hear their opponents tell them told you so. And what they mean by told you so is see the people as in the people that were fans of slavery, they had been telling the abolitionists for years that free slaves couldn't survive. 
Slave owners used that as the foundation for their way of life, not the fact that they were looking to have people, humans, actually do free labor for them so that they could become rich. Well, we'll we'll just put that to the side. But um, they have been having this debate back and forth for a number of years between the people that were against slavery and the people that were for it. So when the abolitionists realized that so many blacks were dying, they were afraid that their opponents were actually right all along, that black people were better off as slaves. So with that, with black people dying in such masses from being sick, from having like horrific outbreaks of smallpox and cholera, um, they actually put them in camps where, you know, they were subject to famine. I mean, just, just starving. Um, for some survivors, frequently their only option out of the camp was to end up going back to the same plantation that they had been enslaved on in order to survive. Now, they were technically free at this point, but once they went back to the plantation, they were still treated like a slave. That's the offer that was put on the table for them. So, death via the camp or continue to be enslaved. Black people were dying in such masses at that time that many white people thought that the race would just die off and disappear, that they wouldn't have to worry about it, whether or not we were gonna survive because they had just thrown in the towel and were convinced that we would all just die off anyway. Well, guess what? We're still here. Thank you all for tuning in and listening to my show. I hope that you will tune in next Friday, which is when new content will be available. I also have a blog where new topics are discussed each Wednesday, and the blog is on my website. If you would please check social media for G.B. Lynch author, you will find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as well as podcasts and YouTube and a website. So hopefully we'll connect. I would love to hear from you. Um, and I hope I will talk with you soon. Until then, take care.